Hey everybody, this is Petey from Spinnerack, and today I'm doing a video on the Heroes Return Fantastic Four series. Now, I think, I don't know, before Heroes Return, before Heroes Reborn, Tom DeFalco and um, Paul Ryan were doing a very a six-year run almost as long as or uh, longer than when Byrne was on the book and regretfully despite some great art maybe some exciting moments the book started to truly slip now, I pointed out that it was still a top seller in the 70s even though books like Spider-Man and the Hulk had overtaken him and as far as um being the official book for the Marvel Universe, the Avengers kind of took that spot from all the top writers doing it. And then the X-Men in the 80s, even though John Byrne made it number two in the in the book, it really slipped post um, Englehart doing it. There was some, uh, for me, there was a highlight when Walter Simonson was doing it. But at the same time, it still wasn't a huge seller outside of the the new FF issues. And then Tom DeFalco took it over, and it basically stayed there for many years with Tom DeFalco. And then the last two issues, Carlos Pacheco took it over. And then the suits were like, hey, these books are broken. They gave them to the image guys. Heroes were burnt, reborn, had not reborn. Reborn had... um. What was it? We had the Captain America and the Avengers by Rob Liefeld, and we had Iron Man and the Fantastic Four by Jim Lee and company. Uh, Iron Man was done by Lee, Wills Potashio, and um, Scott Lobdell. Right? So this, the Fantastic Four, was the most successful of the books. Now, it's kind of a soft FF run. It's only six issues. I don't really count the ones without Jim Lee. But um, he did an okay sort of book. Not great, but it's just okay. Uh, visually strong at some points. A little sometimes too busy. And um, his read is a little extra skinny, but as skinny as Polly Byrne was early in the run. But one of the hard things to do is to capture the thing. And unlike his, uh, Jim Lee's thing isn't, my official kind of thing that I like. But one of the things I have to give him that his thing we have a you know leading to a classic Jim Lee shot. His thing looked like a monster, right? So I can give him kudos for that. He could do a later shot, which I don't have with me, which is uh funny. It could, that's the thing. The hard part, you know he has chest muscles. Think could kind of should be kind of have not, not have any chest muscles, but he at least looks scary, right? And um, what was it? And he could. And there's another shot where he runs into Alicia, and he looks sort of more humorous, right? But it's a little too muscular, but he was still at least could be scary, right? So this went for 13 issues, and Jim Lee bowed out of becoming editor in chief. So at the same time, Marvel, the people in the office, decided they were going to do more retro stuff to get the fans back. So they, of course, brought all these titles back. 
Carrie Gusek doing, um, what was it? I, Avengers and Iron Man. The Avengers were a big success. Iron Man, I don't think, was that big of a success, but he was on there for a decent amount of time. And then we had, um, obviously, Fantastic Four and Captain America. Captain America by Mark Wade. And the Fantastic Four, Scott Lobdell was moving, shifting from the X-Men and kind of trying to do the X-Men treatment with the Fantastic Four. Now, I was scared that he was going to ruin it, but they had Alan Davis here, right? And I went from, because Scott Lobdell took over after Byrne was kind of pushed out of the X-Men. So I wasn't too keen early on with Scott Lobdell. I got kind of used to the, him and Fabian Ascenza doing it. And they did, you know, okay run. But they were kind of pushed out of the X-Books. But since he was kind of a name, they gave him the Fantastic Four to take over. Now, if you look at this cover, I think they were on the right path. Only problem was, is that Marvel was like, okay, we got that, but we're going to get Alan Davis and only do three issues. And we want... Chris Claremont to take over this book, right? Because we got Chris in here. He was like, like a one of um, one of like a chief editor in it, not the editor in chief, but he was kind of, you know, handling some books. So he kind of he was he kind some sort of editorial job at Marvel. So they also gave him a title to work on, which was a Fantastic Four. So we only had the three first issues, right? And when I was worried about him doing the X-Men approach, this is going to be my last bit of my intro, his X-Men approach was just to add new villains, not to change the characters, right? And we have Alan Davis helping to create these new characters, which I don't think any of them were used after this. Maybe, um, I got the villains right here, right? But we'll get to them, right? So we got a nice wraparound cover. We start with the Mole Man, right? And he is with his people. And there's only certain moments where Alan Davis does kind of does Kirby, but his the way he draws the Kirby stuff is still amazing, right? Like, look at this, right? The the Mole Man, his minions, these frog type, lizard type characters, the big monster from the FF cover, right? You're going to take over the world. But at the same time, they know the Fantastic Four is back. And they a tribute to the Fantastic Four, right? Viva la Fantastic. Now, the Fantastic Four, right? They're doing some sort of weird testing. So this is one of the cool parts to capture what was in the original book, right? where you have Reed having been do some weird testing and has some high-tech stuff. He's on skis. You know, this is a really kind of Kirby-type thing. You're at the edge of this. You're talking over stuff. And then the Human Torch comes out of nowhere and starts the race, sending the Ben on, on his skiing. He's skiing down there. They turn on, he turns on the rockets. And as he's going up, the Human Torch follows along, but Ben decides to take him along for the fun. And they 
start to become a big snowball. Reed, of course, burned this also was something Burn wanted to do, playing up the um, absent-minded professor. We got Franklin in there, still four and a half, which is great. He would grow up pretty quickly after this, right? But Reed's not paying attention. The snowball's coming right at them. Um, let's go right back to one thing. Alan Davis kind of modified the outfits, so the, the wide collar would connect to the floor, right? So it wouldn't kind of land into the wrong area, which is pretty cool. Byrne kept a, a decent amount of space between them, but kept the somehow kept the chest up. So um, Alan Davis, with his style, is kind of incorporated into one thing, right? So they're in trouble. And Sue stops them. Right, and then John and then Franklin is happy to see his uncles, but then as they get into a fight, Sue gives them the business. Reed snatches his boy, and they're off while Sue's giving them the business. Right, and then some polar region, <laughs> meager accommodations. At the same time, in France, we have this um construction going on where there's people that are fighting against it. There's one woman who is, uh, her name is Yvette, right? She's like fighting against this technology that they're trying to do and building over this area, right? I think it's Yvette Diamande, Diamande, right? And she goes in there and it's like this curvy kind of, kind of relic area, right? And of course they're trying to open it and then she's against it and she's trying to stop them. Right? As obviously I didn't say Alan Davis one of my favorite artists. Right? And I already did the nail, so here we go, another one from Alan Davis. And as they go, the artifact starts to react and cracking, right? They're in Antarctica. And um, they talk about not having the Baxter Building because the, um, what's those guys? The Thunderbolts have taken over the Baxter Building. All right, so Ben isn't too happy about it. But um, Sue was just asking if she could help with the food, right? And they start talking over different things, but she's there for them. And then this is another cool thing. So one thing that I always wanted was to see is that um, being with Reed was like having your, getting your master's degree. You see Johnny, who's already created his own, um, what's that thing? His own fantastic car is helping Reed on the classic one, right? And um, you see um, Franklin helping. So all this is all to the good because it's really interesting how he's just trying to the hard, hardest character to kind of do is read and he's really trying to keep read as the lead having some humorous moments with the thing johnny being involved and not being a total you know the flighty character and showing that he has some smarts right and they have something to check on some energy and that starts lighting up and read is like it's pretty bad so then we go back to this artifact, this relic thing, and it's releasing and it connects with these people and it turns these guys into 
The Ruined. We got Bar, Exalt, and Stem. The Stem, right? Um, so they're taking over these guys. Oh, there's more of them in the back, though. All right, but these are the leads, right? And they say that she's still there, and she's like, what do you want from me? And they just asked her to touch the sword, and something happens to her, right? And they all kind of bowing to her. All right, so then we see these couple guys trying to figure out what's going on. Asking questions. This guy looks like Tintin. And we find out it's actually reading Sue in disguise, right? And Reed is tracking, right? And then um, Ben and, and and the torch just sort of hanging out. So uh, French lady comes approaches Reed, uh, um, Johnny. So they go out for a thing, and, and Ben escapes. There's only one be a fifth wheel. He walks away, and he gets hit with a some lettuce. Tells him not, and um, Alan Davis kind of leans more towards um, how Byrne does the brow. Be a little more humorous than Burns one, right? But these guys uh, yelling and, and French obscenities at him. I realize it's the Rue de, Fran de Francie. It's a you know, Yancey. It's the Yancey Street out in um, in France, right? Another gag. And I think um, Scott Lovedell was a stand-up comedian for a little while. He, I think he's also done. The movie, the Happy Death Day movies, which I try to stay away from. But anyway, this is all happening. And then as the the sort of ruin starts to create, human t the reed sends out the flare. And then Johnny leaves the French girl. And Ben <laughs> is not too happy about it. And they make their way. We see Reed and Sue struggling with these these creatures, and Ben is happy. He finally gets to clobber something, right? And then he sees this chick come out of nowhere. He talks, and he's gonna be like, "Hey, he's old-fashioned. Not gonna hit her." And she hits him, knocks him a mile away, and sacred flipping blue, which I cracked up on, right? This one's taking long, way longer, right? <laughs> and Reed figures it out. This is all a distraction, right? What? You'll ruin everything. And then he gets in there to stop things. And he realized what the true plan was. She took him the sword. So she could become, they want her to become the martyr for these guys. It's like, martyr? I don't remember that word. And they're trying to overload it to stop them from having to do that. The torch uses his flame power to hold these guys back while um, Sue is.
trying to overload this thing. The torch is doing his best. And he sends all his energy into that thing. He's about to get tossed in there. And then the girl saves Johnny, right? So even though he's a little he's calling her babe, they have a moment together, right? And Reed is kind of caught up in this thing, right? And he's about to tell Sue to do something, but Stem is in there and he takes out the Fantastic Four, right? And they have a talk, and this is instead of they've got the Fantastic Four captured, the Fantastic Four fallen, and he says, the problem you guys can't count. Right? And then um, Reed is like, Quickly, Ben, shush. <laughs> Hurl the steel and plastic pyramid into the portal. The triangular harmonics in, inherent in the design should whatever. You said hurl, I hurl. Simple, it's simple that way. I'm simple that way, right? Tosses it and stops it, right? Everything went back to normal. Everyone but homegirl, right? So she's there to protect us and re kind of reinforces that. So they don't tear down the thing, right? And the town people are happy and they celebrate the Fantastic Four. Long live the Fantastic Four, right? And you get this nice end, right? So that was issue one. Issue two is definitely a favorite. Welcome home, Invisible Woman, die, right? And they're struggling with this weird thing. So once again, Reed has some funky um, technology that he is like trying to develop. Somehow Sue's is fine, but Ben and Johnny's is a mess, right? But Sue is chilling, she loves it. And at the same time, the chair interacts with Franklin. And as Sue goes to Get Franklin, her chair interacts with the rest of them and we get caught in this. Reed is still caught up in his business. And the whole thing blows. And, and Ben is still upset that they're at the docks and not at home, right? So he was, I think, developing a different look for the Fantastic Four that they had all these other places so right now they're staying in the warehouse right and they get confronted by someone but it's actually Willie Lumpkin's um, daughter and they decide they're going to help her deliver the mail right and Sue has to give Reed is talking to, but not telling them about moving here to this warehouse, right? They thought it would make sense, you know? Right? So she kind of gives them, you know, they're okay. I think it's a great idea. But someone is watching and see their seat heat signature, right? But he's invisible. Right? And we have these monkeys, but then at the same time, these monkeys can talk, right? So 
Looks like it's going to be a Super Ace, which I was always a fan of. Ben is looking at this um, display that um, Alicia had. So we have a sad moment. And Alicia, well, it will reveal that later with what's going on this period, right? So Torch runs into him and says, hey, we should go on a date. And he's like, no, and just like does a gag. Turns into a snowman, and they're off and running again. So they're getting Franklin ready for bed, and they're having a tender moment. And someone sees there and says, tragic. <laughs> and for some reason, the invisible woman can hear it, but not anyone else. And only um, Sue can hear and see Iconoclast, right? So he's about to attack them, and she uses a force field. She's ready to fight back. But to um, but to um, and Reed doesn't even second guess it, right? He goes out there to help. And tries to get to go against the energy signature. And seems to be entangled, right? Right, so she, so Franklin hits the flare. They're off. And this is cool that his, when he stretches, he just doesn't always become thin. Sometimes his muscles just stretch out which is a cool effect. So Reed can help, so his idea is to take Sue out of the action, but a con class is just hammering him, right? So Sue gets in a fight, but then the con class can break down her, his, her force fields, right? And then, um, so what's he fighting? Looks like fighting no one. It's like there's a footprint there. He's fighting a footprint. <laughs> So yes, Johnny uses heat to kind of um, reveal that and use the heat to reveal it. And Ben is like, oh, something hit, but it doesn't work that way. And he can pass through and hurt those that are like really cool effects, right? I wasn't really a fan of comic effects, but digital effects, but this one, it really works. So Sue protects and the team has to fall back. So Sue, been pushed further and further and further. The only problem that the husband is seeing this creature, whatever it is, inter interacting with water, right? Would, would be something that have a large effect on it. Right? So they stopped it, but then something else is staring at them. We don't know who it is. So this is a lot of setup with some cool stuff that's going to happen in the book. And the next issue is going to be no different, right? I missed the gag early in the first issue where Reed says images and everything, right? But anyway, uh, let's keep going. This is the last issue of Scott Lovedell's, um short tenure on the book. Um, he did do the plot before, but then they were, as I said, he was pushed off to 
So Chris Claremont take it over. And he said, this is the same thing that happened on the X-Men. So he wasn't too happy. So they are ready to go. And Reed is taking a part of Connor Class. And they're like, stop it. And they're like, no, I'm just gagging. This is just a simulator to show you. So he's trying to like to figure out what this guy is made of, but not dissect, actually dissecting it, right? But see, this is what's going on with Alicia. She is hanging out with the um, Silver Surfer during this period by um, Mark Demetis and, um, and um, Ron Garney. And I think Ron Garney wasn't on it for too long, but he did a few decent, gorgeous issues, which you should check out. All right, so we go back to the, we saw the Empire State University. I think that's where Spider-Man last fought the apes, right? And one of the apes gets free. And it's the super apes. Now the the apes seemingly can all talk, but um, the megalomaniac, Red Ghost, can't. So... And Reed gets a call. From the call, like I said, from the call, there was a stress analysis that means that um, he's going to check it out, right? So he's checking out his own because his team are, you know, with them um, at this event, right? So you see them just destroying stuff. Lumbo has a big plan, right? And that's one of the shell shapeshifter. And we see Reed using stretches the way he would never do. Nick Herman uses I to C. It's terrible, but hey, when you need to do what you need to do, right? And um, they got this plan release toxins into the atmosphere. And Reed's approaches. He starts fighting them. And he's um, got a skill. But at the same time, the apes all of now, the powers are all mixed up, right? And he doesn't know why this is happening, right? And they got him to the corner. About to take out Reed. Then Reed ultimately stops the last one. Right, and then Fantastic Four gets there. The only one they don't have to stop is the Red Ghost, but he is is turned into an imbecile, right? And Reed is wondering why their powers kind of morphed and their personalities have warped together. They could the Fantastic Four suffer a similar fate. Seas mm. is really setting up a lot of stuff for his future on the book and a lot of new characters, which all look cool with Alan Davis doing it, right? And this is where, in Tibet, this is where the Doctor Doom went to, and these are the monks that helped him become Doctor Doom. And someone has killed all of them. This is where the mask was made, I believe, right? But at the same time, we meet the Crucible, and I've never seen Alan Davis's design for it. I've only seen Scott Bill Rocca. That was designed. I wish I could see Alan Davis. But it was a great start. But Alan Davis had um, 
I think he had just done the mail and he wanted to do Kill Raven, but he wanted to do something which you know would be profitable post the clandestine, right? So we have this as we lead into Terminus and the Crucible and the, the Mole Man, right? We got this nice pinup. And I think past this point, Alan Davis, he had only he done the end also. It's got Lobdell never going back to the Fantastic Four. Um, at the same time, we had the World of Fantastic Four, the World's Greatest Comic Magazine, which was supposedly the them trying to do the last epi uh, issue, the last story arc for um, Sam and Jack, which was but mainly by Eric Larson and um, what's his name? Eric Larson and um, Bruce Tim. They do the majority of layouts and some of the inking. But they have a lot of other people helping them out, right? It's kind of um, doesn't don't necessarily hit the mark, but there's moments there, right? Then the next run after Chris Claremont, which I would say is most notable, is the Carlos Pacheco, R.I.P. Carlos Pacheco, um, his run on Fantastic Four, which has been wholly forgotten. He did some, um, you know, so just some decent stuff. I, I don't like that he brought back the baby and made her Valeria, but it's now a permanent thing in FF, right? And then post him, they had Mark Wade and uh, Mike Ringo. Uh, so classic run that everyone likes. Um, I think both runs that took plus that point all got the fact that. Reed should be kind of the guy up front, and Ben and Johnny will steal as much attention as possible. I don't know if there's anything no, no, notable during either of these periods outside of the pregnancy and Sue being like just a you know top part of it. And then, of course, they had some specials. So, past this point, the FF was kind of rolling. Burn was almost talking about trying to do a um. Fantastic Four, The Hidden Years, to kind of fill in the gaps in between the first couple of issues, but that never happened. So it was a good, decent period for the Fantastic Four, right? So there you go. You got Scott Lobdell and Alan Davis run that started so brilliantly and ended after issue three. Spinner Act out.